Practicing resurrection. Practicing resurrection. It means truly knowing and loving others because we truly know and love ourselves the way that God knows and loves us. Early on the first day of the week while it was still dark. That's where we begin this morning in our passage, darkness. It's the time in the morning where things are not quite easy to make out. Our eyes are barely open. Perhaps we haven't had our coffee yet this morning. And yet, this is a fast-paced narrative. It includes a scene with two men running, almost like a race. And they seem to be in a hurry, in the dark. They see things that they don't understand. And here Mary stands alone, outside the tomb, bent over, weeping. The contrast between darkness and light, it seems to run all throughout the Gospel of John. And in our scene this morning, Mary, Simon, Peter, and John, they all seem to lack a sense of clarity about what's happening. After all this time listening to Jesus and his teachings, after all the disciples have heard and seen, they're still oblivious about what is to happen next. The reader may not be, but the disciples sure are. Darkness. It's a world shaped by darkness. Now think about it. Their rabbi has just been executed. Their hopes and dreams have now been crushed, tortured, and crucified on a Roman cross. They're trapped in the world as it is with no, absolutely no hope. Unable to believe that the world can be different, that their situation can be any different. And as followers of Jesus, they have become hated, scorned, abhorred, detested, despised, and rejected They're in a brutal city riddled with bloodshed and they're unwelcome. Without Jesus to lead them, they perhaps have nowhere to go, nowhere left to belong, no people to belong to. They will go back home where they are likely to also be unwelcome. They thought Jesus would bring hope for Israel, that he would be crowned their Messiah, but their hope was nailed to a tree on Friday. Now it's Sunday, the first day of the week, and it's dark. Mary begins walking through the garden, asking strangers where Jesus' body had been taken. And then, in the darkness, someone whispers her name, Mary. And her life is changed forever. When Jesus speaks our name, it's as if the light of life finally comes on in our soul. The power of resurrection, it begins to take over and we see the world anew like we've never seen it before. We see who we are. We see the world as it's meant to be. One of my deepest prayers as a pastor is to help us as a congregation come to see ourselves as people who shine a light on the world, a world filled with darkness, that we would be a people who learn to practice resurrection. Practice resurrection. What does that mean? What does it mean to practice resurrection? Well, I think that if we get this question right, that it will change everything about how we understand our faith. This simple question, the question of what it looks like to be people who put resurrection into practice, it's critical to understanding the nature of the church. The church, if you remember, is a community founded on the proclamation that Christ has risen from the dead. To understand what it means to practice resurrection, we first 
need to get a sense of what it means, what we mean by resurrection. Resurrection. We miss the power of resurrection if we think about it only in terms of the immortality of the soul or our life in the hereafter. For me, it's about much more than that. It's about the ability to experience the fullness of life. It's about victory, specifically victory over death. Death with a capital D. It's about the light of life finally shining in the darkness. The word resurrection, it has the same Latin root as our English word, resurge. And it literally means to rise again. More specifically, it means to rise from the dead. And the very notion of resurrection then, it means death has already happened. Resurrection can't happen without first there being death. And we know that this is not just about dead bodies that don't stay dead. That's what we today call zombies. Resurrection is about more than just dead bodies walking. It's about new life. It's about life that has come in spite of death, you see. It's not about death walking. It's about life in spite of death. It's about death denying power. It's about hope in the face of despair. It's about light that brings the end to darkness. In that sense, resurrection is not about dead bodies rising at all. It's about a specific kind of power, you see. The power of a life that's so determined, so tenacious, so unshakably rebellious that it rises even in the face of death. It's about the beauty of knowing that life, not death, has the last word. We, when we think about death, when I think about death, I think about more than just the death of the human body. The theologian and Harlem human rights lawyer, William Stringfellow, he taught me to think about the power that death holds over us. Death, with a capital D. It's a controlling force that holds sway over our lives, a living morality. Death is a matrix of enslaved existence, he said. Capital D, death, it works like a synonym for the spirituality of idolatry, of domination, of empire. The moral reality of death, it permeates everything in our lives. With death exercising dominion over us, The world runs upside down from the way it was created to be. The resurrection of Jesus, however, it frees us from death's power over us. See, resurrection isn't the ability to live... Resurrection is the ability to live free from the power that death would otherwise hold on our lives. As Stringfellow put it, since fear of death is the only power that the principalities hold over us, resurrection then frees us to live as full human beings. In the resurrection, we're freed to honor life as a gift. In the resurrection, we're freed to live by grace. In the resurrection, we're no longer afraid that we might fail. No longer afraid of judgment. See, in the resurrection, we finally see the world in God's light, as it is and as it can be, free from the darkness of the power of death. In the divine power of fearless love that stands rebelliously in the face of death, In the resurrection, we are free to be fully human. Only then are we able to be faithful to God. Because then we are finally able to be what God created us to be, human. Stringfellow says that this is what it means to live according to the word of God. Listen to what he says. I'm called in the word of God, as is everyone, to the vocation of being human. Nothing more and nothing less. 
In the face of death, live humanly. I love that. In the face of death, live humanly. In the middle of chaos, celebrate the word. Amidst Babel, speak the truth. Confront the noise and verbiage of falsehood and, of death, uh, and the falsehood of death with the truth and the potency and efficiency of the word of God. Know the word, teach the word, nurture the word, preach the word, define the word, incarnate the word, do the word, live the word, and more than that, in the word of God, expose death and all, the de- all of death's works and wiles, rebuke lies, cast out demons, exercise, cleanse the possessed, raise those who are dead in mind and consciousness. Practice resurrection. Resurrection then is not about changing us into something that we are not. The resurrection didn't change Jesus into something new. Rather, it affirmed Jesus for who he had always been. Like Mary, resurrection is the power to hear Jesus speak our name. To hear that divine voice that yearns from deep inside us come bursting up to the surface. Resurrection is the full affirmation of who we truly are. When we experience resurrection at work in our lives, it's more like a transition where we finally come to the affirmation of who we are. Who we have always been. Who we will always be, God's beloved. Resurrection frees us from the power that death with a capital D holds over us. To practice resurrection, then, is to speak hope to the world. I want to challenge us here at Brookside to begin thinking about what it means to be resurrection people. What does it mean to see the resurrection as more than just an idea or doctrine or belief? What might it mean as a community if we were to ask ourselves, how can we practice it? What would it look like for us to put our faith into action? What would it look like for us to be free to live into life outside of the power of death? To help others live free from the power of death? To be fully human? Like any practice, I assume it will need exercise. I assume we will have to learn new skills. Maybe we will have to use muscles that we're not used to using. That's what practice meant when I was on the team in high school, right? It takes effort, time, and attention. And I believe it will begin, though, as it did with Mary, by hearing the power of the resurrection speak our name. And then we will be freed to speak words of hope and love and affirmation to others. So where do we see the power of death with a capital D at work in our world? Your answer may be different than mine, but here is a few suggestions. Where do we see the power of death at work in the world? Perhaps in homeless shelters where individuals and families feel lost and alone in the world. So let's go and whisper words of hope. Let's speak their names. Let's practice resurrection. Maybe in the lives of transgender youth who live in a world that rejects them, locks them outside, and leaves them all alone. Can we go to them and whisper words of love and affirmation? Can we affirm to them the beauty of who they are? Can we speak their name? Can we practice resurrection? Or maybe in the lives of communities of color, immigrants, refugees, Muslims, all of those who might hear the phrase rule of law or security sound like dog whistles that echo echo out the call, we're coming for you. 
Maybe we can go to them and whisper words of welcome and solidarity. Maybe we can proclaim to them life in the face of the power of death. Maybe we can learn to speak their names. Maybe we can practice resurrection. When resurrection speaks our name, see, the world becomes different and new. Not because the world has changed, but because we see ourselves in the light of who we truly are. Then we begin to speak and act in ways that help the world see who they truly are. The power of resurrection, see, begins to speak through us as we whisper the names of those around us. You are God's beloved. Sadly, many Christians have been brought up in communities that might preach about the resurrection but have no idea its power or how to practice it. Contrary to the power of resurrection, they use religion as a form of domination through the pressure of orthodox doctrine, sacred text, institutional authority, and all of these are used in their communities to reshape their souls so that it will conform to a shape that's dictated by some theology. And the basic idea here is that we're born with souls that are deformed by sin and we're all hopeless until someone with the right authority can come and reshape us properly. But that kind of theology only twists us up into knots and makes us look like pretzels. It doesn't make us free. It doesn't allow us to be human. See, this isn't the kind of resurrection power that we see at work in the gospel. All of this, see, is turned upside down when you're in intimate relationships like the one that Jesus had with his disciples. As Jesus whispers the disciples' name and it changes the course of human history. In the gospel Jesus proclaimed, we don't find people who were born unacceptable to God and need to be made acceptable through some magical process or some adherence to some set of doctrine What we find in the gospel is an overflowing in the belovedness of God. In the beginning, remember, God called the world good. And as time goes on, the power of death with the capital D, it works to deform us from within as well as without. And we can get twisted into shape like pretzels and we become something entirely at odds with the sacredness of the soul that's inside us. But our soul, though, never loses its original blessedness. It never loses its original form. It never stops longing for us to live into the birthright of the integrity of the people of God. But then, in communities of trust, where the power of resurrection begins to call our name, there's a light of hope that begins to shine, and we start to hear a voice from inside us say, yeah, that's what I was made for. Self-hatred turns to self-love. Narcissism turns into love of others. A hatred of others becomes a deep and abiding love that longs for wholeness and reconciliation. Violence, cruelty, brutality, they all get replaced with healing and kindness, surrender and peace. It's Sunday, the first day of the week. The sun has risen. And yet, for too many, the world is still in darkness. People trapped in despair, unable to see things, that things can ever be any different. 
They may feel despised and rejected, unwelcome, nowhere to go, no place to belong, and no people to belong to. This Sunday, perhaps every Sunday, there will be those who come here into Brookside like Mary, asking strangers where they can find Jesus. But my prayer is that those folks encounter us here at Brookside after we have learned to practice resurrection enough that there in the midst of the darkness, someone will whisper their name. The light will shine and their world will be changed forever. Amen.